What does it mean to connect to your future at Lake Michigan College? They connect you to your future passion. Explore paths to careers that will excite and motivate you. Visit lakemichigancollege.edu to find out how to connect to your future. WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock news block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The Curious Kids Museum is hard at work raising funds to restore what was lost in a fire last year. Director Lori Marciniak tells us they were able to reopen a few weeks ago, and it's wonderful to hear the halls being occupied by excited kids. She says the museum supporters have been amazing since the fire. We lost about half of the exhibits. We'll probably only have about 20% of those put back in, so we've got a ways to go to get back to the level we were at. Marciniak says it takes a lot of work to set up an exhibit at the museum because it's, it has to be tough to withstand the kids and it has to be safe for them. One exhibit could cost $80,000. Since negotiations to purchase the museum's building from the city of St. Joseph have fallen apart, could they ever resume? We're just going to step back and make sure we get the museum open, make sure that we continue on filling it with the best possible exhibits that we can. We love our location. We love this building. It's the only place we've ever called home, and we have 22 years more left on the lease, and we're super happy that we have that. Marciniak says the museum's annual Celebrate Curiosity Gala is this Friday to raise funds. Any money raised will help the museum continue its recovery. The spooky soiree they have planned for Friday is already sold out, but it will include a silent auction that will be open to everyone. We'll have a link to more information at our website. Meanwhile, Marciniak says the museum is welcoming representatives from its exhibit design company to town next month to hold the design charrette as planning continues. It's the end of the line as public officials for both St. Joseph Mayor Laura Goose and City Commissioner Lynn Todman the two attended their last meetings as a city officials this week and said their goodbyes. Both have opted not to seek re-election next month. Goose has been on the city commission for six years, with the last two as mayor. We asked her what the commission's accomplished in her time. The sustainability committee is near and dear to my heart. We passed a non-discrimination ordinance, and as a result, now our civil rights law has been improved at the state level because as communities were able to give air cover to those state legislators. So that's a huge accomplishment. I would also say our downtown development and our placemaking that we're doing, Pleasant Street Plaza as an example, is huge. Goose says the best thing about serving was getting to know more people in the community and working on things that will have a lasting impact. The most surprising thing that she's learned is how hard the city staff works to make St. Joe a nice community. She said they basically have a 24-7 job. Todman, who's been a commissioner for five years, told us she's happy she was able to serve and she looks forward to what the next commission can do. With the elections in a couple of weeks, St. Joe City Clerk Abby Bishop has a reminder for residents. Speaking at a meeting this week, Bishop said there will be six candidates for St. Joe City Commission on the ballot November 7th. Three will be elected. The top two vote-getters will receive four-year terms, while the top, uh, the third-place candidate will get a two-year term. Bishop said she's been sending out absentee ballots to those who requested them. We had issued 1,515, and we had only received 402 back. So if you have an absentee ballot, please be sure to turn it in. Absentee ballots can be returned through 8 p.m. on Election Day. Bishop said her office will be open at City Hall on Saturday, November 4th from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. so people can come and register to vote or pick up an absentee ballot. More than $330,000 in road construction grants are coming to Berrien County communities through the state's Community Service Infrastructure Fund program, which is focused on communities with populations of less than 10,000. Governor Gretchen Whitmer's office announced this week the recipients are Benton Harbor, Galeen, and Baroda. 
Benton Harbor will get $192,000 to repair Jefferson Street. Galene will receive $46,000 to fix Karen Drive and First Street. And Baroda is receiving $100,000 to repair Pheasant Run. The grants are 50% matches of the project total cost. The governor's office says the projects were selected in part because they're paired with infrastructure work coordinated with other road agencies focused on extending the useful life of the road or have limited funding sources for road improvements. In all, the state this week announced $8 million in community service infrastructure fund grant for 47 villages and cities. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Western District of Michigan is taking steps to protect the public from hate crimes and other civil rights violations. U.S. Attorney Mark Totten announced the formation of the new civil rights team and United Against Hate Public Outreach Program in Michigan this week. This team will include four assistant U.S. attorneys who will be focused on prosecuting hate crimes, stopping discrimination, protecting the right to vote. In addition, I'm also excited to announce our United Against Hate campaign. This campaign is focused on educating the public about civil rights, uh, the work we do to protect those rights, and how to report violations. The offices say they want to build trust between police and communities and increase the public's understanding of how to report hate crimes. Corwell Health and the Berrien County Sheriff's Department are teaming up to collect unused and unwanted prescription drugs for safe disposal this Saturday as part of National Prescription Drug Take Back Day. Corwell says there will be two drop-off locations in the county. They will be a Corwell Health Lakeland Hospital on Napier Avenue in St. Joseph and the Corwell Health Care Center on St. Joseph Avenue in Niles. Everyone's welcome to stop by all day Saturday to dispose of expired prescriptions and other unwanted or unneeded medications so they don't wind up in the wrong hands. The event is anonymous, and everyone's advised to peel the labels off their pill bottles. Berrien County Sheriff's Department will oversee the local collection sites to ensure the drugs are disposed of in an appropriate manner. Corwell Medical Director of Addiction Medicine Colleen Lane says the state has seen far too many opioid deaths, and getting those drugs properly disposed can help to make everyone safer. And how about having your wedding at the Niles Scream Park? That's just what Ben and Cora Brooks of South Bend did this month. The attraction in Niles tells us organizers of the park met with a couple in the summer and slowly brought their dream of getting hitched there to life. Their love for Halloween and the annual tradition of attending the park sparked the idea of sealing their vows for one another in a place that felt like home. Cora has been attending the park since 2007, and when she met Ben in 2020, the tradition of attending the 44-acre project continued as a couple. They finally tied the knot on the most promising day for any wedding, Friday the 13th this month. The Screen Park tells us the Brooks are not alone as weddings are held there from time to time. In fact, this was the second spooky wedding the park has hosted this year. The nonprofit Niles Screen Park is open for business for the season and will be through November 4th. This is its 50th year. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture and Dwozhak, where furniture shopping is fun. Negotiations continue to secure the release of more Hamas hostages. ABC's Michelle Franzen has the latest on the Israel-Hamas war. Calls are growing to speed up the flow of humanitarian aid into Gaza as Israel continues airstrikes to destroy Hamas. The Biden administration says the U.S. and allies are urging Israel to avoid casualties as it prepares for a ground offensive and a push for the release of more hostages. ABC's Ian Panel is in Tel Aviv, where one of two hostages released yesterday, speaking out about her ordeal. For the first time, testimony from one of the hostages taken by Hamas. 
Yocheved Lifshitz saying she went through hell, describing how she was kidnapped by Hamas and taken on the back of a motorbike to what she says was a spider's web of underground tunnels. Speaking together with her daughter at the hospital, she says she was beaten with sticks and had her jewellery taken. Held together with five others from the same kibbutz, Yocheved says they were given the same food as their captors, given regular medical care and hygiene products. She even says her captors were very friendly. With continuing coverage, Michelle Franz and ABC News. The health ministry in Gaza says hundreds of people were killed in the past day as a result of Israeli airstrikes. Israel has been striking Gaza since Hamas militants attacked southern Israeli towns on October 7th. Israel said today it had launched 400 airstrikes over the last day, killing Hamas commanders, hitting militants as they were preparing to launch rockets into Israel and striking command centers in a Hamas tunnel shaft. The health ministry, which is controlled by Hamas, said more than 700 people were killed in the last day, a claim that the Associated Press could not independently verify. Last week, President Biden went to Israel to meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in a stand in solidarity with an ally following the terror attacks committed by Hamas. He also spoke with the Israeli War Cabinet and addressed the humanitarian situation in Gaza. National Security Coordinator John Kirby told the White House Press Corps today he believes the president made his feelings clear on how they should retaliate but understood the decision is theirs. ABC's Karen Travers has the latest. The White House says it will continue to talk to Israel about the importance of avoiding and minimizing civilian casualties as they go after legitimate Hamas targets. But National Security Spokesman John Kirby was blunt about what he says is a, quote, important notion. This is war. It is combat. It is bloody. It is ugly. And it's going to be messy. And innocent civilians are going to be hurt going forward. I wish I could tell you something different. I wish that that wasn't going to happen. But it is... It is going to happen. Kirby said the U.S. will do everything it can to help the Israelis minimize that, but said, quote, that's unfortunately the nature of conflict. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. The White House says developing what it calls prudent contingency planning to evacuate Americans from the Middle East in case the Israel-Hamas war spreads into a broad regional conflict. White House National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby today stressed there are currently no active efforts to evacuate Americans from the region beyond charter flights. The U.S. government began operating earlier this month out of Israel. President Joe Biden and Saudi Arabia Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman also spoke by phone today about the situation. It was the two leaders' first interaction since before Hamas attacked Israel. Republican Tom Emmer has abruptly abandoned his bid to become the House Speaker. That's according to Republican sources familiar with the situation inside of a closed-door meeting. Emmer of Minnesota withdrew hours after he won the internal party nomination once it became clear he would not have enough support from GOP colleagues to actually win the gavel. He reversed course after Donald Trump objected to his nomination and hardliners in the House denied him the votes he would need. Emmer fell far short of the support of almost all Republicans he would need during a floor vote ahead. It's been three weeks since Republicans ousted Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House. The CDC has released a new report on how health care workers have been struggling since the start of the pandemic. Here's ABC's Derek Dennis. A recent CDC survey finding harassment, burnout, stress, and symptoms of poor mental health have been plaguing health care workers since the start of the pandemic. The harassment includes threats, bullying, verbal abuse, or other actions from patients and co-workers alike. And even before the pandemic, the CDC says burnout was at crisis levels. Healthcare worker mental health also in decline compared to other workers. The report is the first to detail the well-being and working conditions of health care workers in the U.S. It urges employers to take preventative measures and improve difficult working conditions that lead to anxiety, depression, and burnout. Derek Dennis, ABC News. 
Donald Trump's lead attorney in the 2020 Georgia election case against him is using another attorney's guilty plea to cast doubt on the legitimacy of the racketeering charges brought against all 19 defendants. Trump attorney Steve Sadow said it's the fourth time that Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis has dismissed the racketeering charge, quote, in return for a plea to probation. Attorney Jenna Ellis pleaded guilty today to a felony over efforts to overturn Trump's election loss in Georgia. The Florida resident is the fourth defendant in the case to enter a plea deal with prosecutors. Prosecutors say that Ellis helped other lawyers as they lied to Georgia lawmakers. And it's time to lay out the budget for this year's Thanksgiving feast. And not surprisingly, it's likely to cost more than last year. Here's ABC's Jim Ryan. Ham prices are about 7% higher than a year ago. Potatoes are up by 2.7%. But the Thanksgiving turkey will be around 22% less expensive. Avian flu in 2022 wiped out 60 million birds. This year, says consumer specialist Phil Limpert. So far, it's only hit about 180,000 birds. So turkey is going to be less expensive this year than in previous years. But you still have to get through Halloween. And growing conditions in regions that produce the cacao bean have been terrible, sending chocolate prices dramatically higher. Jim Ryan, ABC News.